0: Good afternoon. This is food sovereignty or food security. Very much a, a topical thing at this time with people being isolated. They're digging up a lot of people are digging up their lawns and seeing what they can plant and what they can grow. And it seemed just like a couple of weeks ago when the supermarket shelves were being emptied of toilet paper. Uh, sanitizer and all kinds of stuff. There's now the plant centers, their shelves are emptying of plants of seeds, but people are not actually visiting, ordering online if they can. The garden centers, they're getting oversubscribed. It's like booking rock concert tickets uh, with some of these plant centers. It's very difficult to get through, get your order in, and then by the time the order's in, the closer service has been swamped. But I hope you've been able to get on and explore. Your land uh, if you've got some to play with if you're in an apartment I'm going to only talk about that um, a bit later how many of you got children who generally are not happy about eating their vegetables have you got children that won't eat their carrots won't eat their cabbage and all they want is the fish fingers they want the pizza but to put the vegetables in front of them oh boy but how many of your children help in the garden I was quite fortunate because my father, when he was around, certainly his brothers and my uncles, great uncles and aunts, they were out there in the garden. The gardens were important to them. And especially the herb gardeners, because they used the herbs a lot. And on my mother's side, in their later years, uh, her brother, my uncle, and also her father, my grandfather, they started getting into the gardens and were very productive. And I was inspired by this. I love being outside and I love going around and the wonder of relations, gardens. And I had to have my own little patch. And in my own little patch, uh, I was helped along obviously by adults. So it was the simple things. I had radishes and I had carrots and I had spinach. And of course, when the radishes came up, they were quick. You know, if you grow the little salad radishes, They almost turn into radishes the day after you actually put the seeds in. It's as if the fairies come along, boom, Uh, you've got uh, radishes. So what I used to do was actually pull them up and eat them, mud and all. Uh, No patience with the radishes. With the carrots, I was a little bit uh, bolder because "Mm, I'm going to eat my carrots. So I would actually pull these up and I'd take them in the kitchen. I'd want them on a plate maybe steamed a bit but I'm going to eat my carrots and then of course with the spinach even if you went to the cinema uh, for the children's matinees there was there was Popeye so of course I had to eat the spinach and I remember one day my father uh, he was still a little bit annoyed with me because uh, when I was sort of in the womb uh, apparently he got absolutely furious when my mother and her parents said to him you're going to have to get rid of that austin healy sports car you're going to have to have a family car and austin healy was his pride and joy and he was always grumpy that he had to trade that in and he traded it in for an austin a50 countryman uh family car and i remember he was i saw him pushing this car uh, up the driveway towards the cottage and I thought, oh yeah I've been eating the vegetables I've grown, I can help out. So I went out and went to help him push and well I offered to help him push. He said, Oh are you boy." I said, Oh yeah, go away. I can do this and he said, Well you're only small, you can Oh Dad, I ate my spinach. I can definitely push this. And so uh the two of us tried to put the push the car but anyway uh, I certainly had no trouble eating my vegetables so that's an encouragement are your children actually do, uh, planting some seeds planting some plants even and growing their vegetables so that they actually will eat what they grow and that's quite exciting and to me that's an example of food sovereignty because food sovereignty is really where the responsibility of food is actually in the hands of the people who grow it, distribute it, and eat it. And that is something very precious. And uh, in a way, people talk about what is spiritual. I find that something is very spiritual. Uh, It's quite often and I say, how can someone be a shaman or a druid or something like that unless they actually had their hands in the soil, unless they were that bonded with what grows, and also what is shared amongst the people. Now I'm going to go back into the uh, land sovereignty very soon. But first let's look at the food security. And I think people think, well, the food security is something that's extremely important to us. And perhaps it has been. There's always this question that if there wasn't what is called the Green Revolution, the food security, and with the vast population, the way that it's increasing around the world, would we been able to feed ourselves, starting off like I did with a little child with a little patch of ground that perhaps grew enough food to keep me for a week? <laughs> uh, are we able to do that? Are we able to preserve food? I certainly, when I was younger, I learned things like uh, putting vegetables in salt so they would preserve, and and jarring, bottling, Pickling all these type of preservation things because in the 50s a lot of people didn't really have refrigerators and freezers So there were all these uh, Traditions and this is important all these traditions that we had and I'm going to come back to that one as well but with the food security, it's How can we actually have policies? Where we can grow all this food to feed all these people around the world that nobody should go hungry but of course as we know there is uh, there is a lot of hunger Uh, there are droughts there are famines even with this food security one thing about the food security i suppose the plus of it is is that it does enable things like bread and rice and even various vegetables we can just go along to the supermarket they're there we eat them uh, and we're fed The downside of this, obviously, is in order to increase the yields. It's what's actually been done to the food. And this is what a lot of people are are kind of wary of, because when food is done in a mass like that, we've suddenly surrendered our own sovereignty to our own food growing, our own distribution. We've handed it over to politicians. That's been handed over to corporations. And a lot of this is run by working out spreadsheets and uh, databases. They, these are not actual people that get out onto the land and uh, till it and look after it and actually treasure it. These are people who are scientists. They're, what do they call them, um, bioengineering people. And this is what's happening is suddenly the traditional ways of growing has been replaced by the bioengineering as if that's going to have all of the answers and even farmers over the years have found they've dropped their traditions and they've become sort of in a way apprentices to bioengineering and gmos is certainly something we all know about where seeds are genetically changed so that they have greater yields that they're resistant to pests far away from the original local seeds that we had and it seems what's come from this a lot of people are now claiming they've got food allergies and that's one of the things they put it down to but even with the gmo seeds gmo growing there's a greater use of insecticides and pesticides and the value on farmland seems to have changed where it's about getting more land to grow more food so the hedges go down the fences go down but uh, through all that there's soil erosion which means more fertilizers And we have a lot of problems like that. But even so, it seems as if we're getting fed by food security. But there has been a kind of change. I haven't uh, got the dates in memory. Um, I would say that really the uh, green revolution, as uh, it's called, to to have uh, the altered foods uh, has been around I suppose it kicked off in the 50s but it really got going in the 80s Australia I think was perhaps the leader of that and then it went into certainly big time in Mexico And India, India was big on it. Suddenly, India, who was having lots of famines because of the Green Revolution, they were reducing a lot of food to feed people, so their famines uh, went down. But Australia got the consequences because land became barren. In Mexico, it became a bit of a confusion. Uh, I think they're looking more at the food sovereignty and the community methods that were there with the Incas uh, way back. Uh, So it's been a very touchy thing. Could we survive without uh, the food security system? Somehow I don't think so, not for a while, because with food sovereignty, we've lost too much of the traditions. I find I'm scraping around trying to rediscover some of the traditions I used when I was young. I've forgotten them. I have to look up YouTubes and I have to um, watch YouTubes to bring this all back again. But going back, food, sovereignty, uh, it seems as if it's been a very big thought for people now with their isolation, their cocooning, uh, and even when they're going out, uh, the res- restrictions of shopping at a distance. Uh, the actual shopping is becoming a frustration. Under food security, the roles of employment have changed. The people over the years, there's less people working their gardens, worse, less people working the lands, as more people have moved into the towns, so they become urban, uh, they're in apartments, they don't have gardens, a lot of them don't have allotments. It's all about getting the food from the supermarket, often the idea of cooking that food is throwing it into the microwave. But. A lot of people are very happy with that, and one of the examples I think of is maybe someone uh, who works at Google and Facebook. Let's take the Google example. There's a lot of people that are engineers there. They're perhaps on a hundred thousand euros or more, a hundred thousand dollars if they're in the US or more, doing this. And if they were out working the land, like they were, as employee, as a picker. They 'd be lucky to make twenty thousand in a year, so people think, "Oh no, I want this extra money, But if you think of it, what is this value system in the salaries there? The person working at Google on one hundred thousand can 't go without food. They rely on these twenty thousand uh, euros a year people producing the food so they can eat. yet these people that are still working the food in the farm they don 't need to go on to google they don 't have to Google stuff. So is that value, uh, uh, humanity value, which has become very unbalanced, I find, and that is a source of problems. I think of disconnection. Uh, it's suddenly uh, the it's gone from community to acquisition. To, uh, should the politics be profits before the people, or should the people and their community? be before profits and this is certainly a thing going on now uh, and certainly debate going on with our isolation should we remain isolated or should we be brought out from our isolation to get the economy going so what's more important now the profits or the people and the lovely thing is I think the people they are discovering what do I need this lawn for and they're reading reports perhaps that there is going to be more famines when this uh, virus things are all over. So there's sort of a little bit of fear-mongering there, but there's also people discovering, well, I've got this time on my hands. I've been meaning to grow some vegetables. I don't really know how to do it. Uh, I'll go and watch some YouTubes. I'll read this book. Oh, yeah, that looks uh, easy. Let's do it. Let's have a go at it. And and this is an important point. Let's have a go at it. Don't worry what at this point what yields are going to be Just use the resources you can get what's around you and The word sovereignty is really have you found that's really been bouncing around uh, quite a lot Uh, Even with our body sovereignty what we allow to go into our body what we allow ourselves to touch Sense feel and what we actually allow around us. We talk about sovereignty in quite a few things But going back to that concept of food sovereignty, again, is about the people who actually grow, distribute and consume, that the policies of food should be around these people. And it would start with ourselves, our family, and uh, we're trying to be responsible for, for growing some of our own stuff on whatever land we have around us that we can grow stuff on in apartments, we can use perhaps pots. People in apartments can perhaps use pots. And one trend that's happening uh, around various cities is bold, perhaps illegal, but I think it's absolutely wonderful, is people in apartments are actually, they're going around uh, their local areas and find out pieces of land not being used. And they're actually squatting this land and they're cultivating it and there's no sense of possession they're just going through the movements of using the land planting stuff growing it they're not trying to think of all oh, this is yield for myself it's just part of the community giving the pay forward of using the land to grow things so that someone might pass by and be able to pull some radishes <laughs> some carrots and so and even some fruits, putting a uh, little raspberries and b- blueberries in there's more of this so even apartment people you're not totally restricted it's a kind of a bit of a boldness and but uh, sometimes the police people up on this but if there is this community image about it the police leave alone because it is a community service obviously right now you, if you're doing that you've got to think of the social distancing but that's something to think about if you're stuck in a, uh, an apartment say now it's okay for you you got a bit of land Uh, think of those terms, because it's just part of the process that we're taking back uh, our own responsibility, our own connection to our own uh, growing distribution and consuming. And that starts with us, starts with the families, it starts with the people who who will join with us or people that we join with. Uh, There's the community gardens of course, there's the allotments and the sharings from uh, that. And this really has been a way of life. If you look through history texts, this seems to be a way of life that goes back thousands of years. Uh, People didn't have money in their pockets thousands of years ago. It was all about doing what they can to feed themselves, and the excess was shared, it was traded, it was bartered for things they didn't have. I think uh, Russia was a very good uh, model of this because... um, the Marxist approach uh, Karl Marx I gather he said something like um, he saw a transition uh, with people in that uh, food sovereignty uh, was what he I think it translated as being in a it was a primitive communism but he was seeing this primitive communism converting into primitive acquisition Certainly, I think it was Mexico, if Mexico was split into sort of clan-type regions uh, with the Aztecs and the the clans themselves were communally responsible uh, for their own sovereignty of their own food and it was all about sharing. They did sort of connect together but uh, they were providing uh, for themselves and then when this, the Spanish came in they set up the haciendas and suddenly with these haciendas the communities were allowed to keep producing but it was all suddenly about profit and export and there was a transition of this now the food sovereignty movement it's become a sort of an organized thing it's become a sort of thing of politics that seems to have started up in the 90s even though it's been around uh, for thousands of years, but there were people who make websites, they make statements, and, You know, they use the political jargon of all these comrades coming together to grow stuff. I think you know the sort of thing I'm getting at. That'd be a whole session in itself. But some countries, I think Ecuador was the first one that really got into this, that it actually got up into state level, that there was actually government support for food sovereignty of uh, community growing. So this was quite revolutionary because Uh, As you know around the world, the governments and the corporations are together in a regime and their, part of their policies are for the food security. But Ecuador was going more into this idea of feeding themselves from community, localized, growing, that if there was excess, they could be shared. And then I think Bolivia took on this very quickly afterwards. And surprisingly, considering all the news of their troubles, Venezuela got in, onto this. And other parts of the world, certainly in Africa, uh, in Mali and Senegal. Uh, they, they've they been getting into it and then it spread over I think to Nepal. Nepal's getting into the food sovereignty and I'm surprised we've not heard of Bhutan getting into this. But if you go back into the history of the sovereignty, one of the uh, tribes uh, that fascinates me is the Huron. Um, just over the Canadian border, was it Lake Ontario? and they were very much into their clan community growing. And the clans themselves, they actually had a clan council of women because it was regarded that the land and sovereignty of the land was very much in the command and of the direction of women. So the clan council of women would come together to make sure that there was uh, the uh, balanced uh, application to the land. Because the one thing with uh, food sovereignty, people start thinking about is this environmentally friendly uh, is this sustainable because if you're going to look after yourself and community you can't just pass the buck to the uh, food security who pass the buck to, you know there's pollution and so forth if you're doing it locally you're going to care about your land use and uh, the sustainability so this is really a lot of caring and during this time of people isolating, there's a lot more people thinking about, you know, this is really precious what I got here. Why, do, why did I have a lawn? What's the point of it? And they've got trees and plants, and suddenly they're bonded with this, and it becomes, in a way, their church. It's, it becomes their faith, it becomes their belief, and it's something they want it to be sustainable. They really want to be part of this. There's a passion. And it isn't about yields anymore. It's about being part of everything else. The birds are coming back. Wildlife's coming back. Suddenly, people are feeling uh, they're all uh, part of this. So, I think that's enough ramble, really, about uh, food sovereignty and food security, Uh, as I say, as usual. I've just sort of rambled what came into my head on that. I would have been delighted to have actually gone round and showing you a bit uh, for growing but this, this was really uh, a chat about policies in relation to our own spirituality connection and perhaps even our shaman and druid studies but uh, if you want to learn the practicalities of your garden and I do it all the time There's a phenomenal number of YouTube channels. I can't even give you recommendations because I subscribe to some of them. But just put in organic farming, uh, permaculture growing, uh, food forests, all these things put into the search in YouTube. But there is one organization that always fascinates me. Big Donegal uh, is the work of um, Joanna Lindsay Butler of Organics and uh, she runs uh, she actually runs a Sunday session now at one o'clock uh, just before it's always worth watching she keeps people up with what she's actually doing with a garden she is oh boy she, what she covers is phenomenal it's worth following our organic gardens up in Donegal so look it up on facebook there's facebook live you'll learn so much from Joanne she's just a total dynamo it's unbelievable what she achieves. she's got these phenomenal Four acre garden that not only has the garden, it's a bit like this, she has her tree, she has a tree sanctuary, uh, she has her orchard and so forth. And even with looking after all that, because people can't get together as a community garden with the isolation, she still finds time when they can to take the family off to Portugal or, or... to get together to watch a Netflix movie so there's time for it all So, but what I would like to do now is I would like to open this up uh, for you to ask questions uh, because I really don't know what I should be talking about now so it's on food uh food security and let's see what you have to say there's, there's a few of you have been watching uh, this will go out obviously on YouTube and you can ask questions there as well. well here we go Organic Growers in County Sligo are doing great work with the help of woofers and that's Leslie yeah the woofers <laughs> Oh boy the woofers. I the gratitude I've got for woofers in the past Working weekends on organic farms is uh, Roughly what the woofers is about, uh, you know, that's woof if you hadn't worked that one out and uh, there's mixed stories about woofers is certainly a great help. If you want to be uh, kind of be serious, you've got a bit of land, and you find you're overwhelmed uh, single-handed. Obviously, with the isolation, uh, we can't do that now. And I've missed the woofers. Um, there is an organisation. You look it up, and you can put uh, your requirements there. I haven't done that. Uh, fortunately, I've had people ask questions and a bit fussy on it because the one thing I want to know is if someone's going to be staying in the spare room in the cottage, are we going to get on? And uh, there has been challenges uh, with that when I've had couples that have wanted to come along. And uh, what's happened is really when you've got two people, it's one person that really wants to be here and get involved. The other one's just coming along because their partner's here and they get restless, they don't really want to be here. And that causes a bit of a tension that really is not very comfortable to be around with. So an, another ruling I have is just one person. And also, it's uh, very important, I think, to get to know something about that person, their intentions, what they're trying to learn, how they're trying to be. And when you feel that, that you're comfortable with that person, certainly it's great to have them along. I tend to limit it to nine days, really, and uh, and, and try to make a combination of doing some projects here but uh, showing around the place some fun stuff as well unfortunately with what's going on here and maybe it's my attitude as well i have the freedom that i can actually point to something look this is something that's being done uh would you like to have a go at it and i'm very happy for a person to do a project do it in their own expression doing in their own way because i don't really have a vision of how the project should be here and if you have that attitude the wonderful thing is is the woofer can come up with something way beyond anything you can imagine and uh and of course they've got pride in being able to do that that's like a sort of a fast apprenticeship to them and you've got this wonderful gratitude and pride that they've done it it can be absolutely wonderful right uh, we reward farmers with growing fruit and vegetables yes that's a very important thing too because there's a lot of battling under the food security. There's a lot of food subsidizing, but we have the situation in Ireland that has the potential of growing food for millions of people and of course under the colonial days That's what it was forced to do to, to uh, Feed the British troops all over the world who were trying to take over these countries To enslave the people into growing food for the Great Britain, and eventually um, uh, for Europe, I suppose, as well. What's happening now is, uh, I think I read somewhere that Ireland could grow food for 38 million people, maybe it already is. Uh, And there's only 4.5 million, I think, in the country, so that's a, a, a massive ability. Yet, for some reason, we're importing a lot of food, more food than what's being grown here. It doesn't make sense. And this is somehow in the policies the government run and the um, corporate run. This is how the policies pan out. and It's what we've surrendered. We absolutely have no sovereignty in this. The only sovereignty we have is the vote. The point is with the vote, all we're doing is voting for someone to have a career and a nice salary uh, in Dublin. And if carrying out the policies we want, ha, no way. We we got them in, they feel they can do as they like and they can spin it. So there's that problem to deal with is the land use. And how is that dealt with? Again, takes it's, it's baby steps. I would say the more people that actually get involved and saying, mm, I can grow some stuff in the garden Uh, that's grand, Uh, this is good, oh and each year you learn a bit more oh I wonder if I can get a bit of land with a field next door, that's what happens with some people or you've got your children, Uh, they've been involved with it, oh this is something I'd like to do, I love this good food I love this attitude, I think I'll become a farmer and perhaps they become the sort of organic farmer that uh, focuses uh, on the local community. We got one near here, Dromanilra, a uh, wonderful community focused around uh, Boer. They're expanding a bit now, but it's where the attitude of a family have been totally focused on producing food for the local community. And I think expand on that and you'll find it'll spread and it almost become clanny again uh, where families and clans. and. It will perhaps take a long time, but it's like the 100th monkey, you know. Eventually, that could become a national policy. And if it does grow, then the local politicians are going to take notice. They could even be the people that uh, have got into feeding people locally. So once they get in uh, to the government, then it becomes a policy uh, like it is in Ecuador and Bolivia uh, and uh, Nepal and places like that. Noc yeah, absolutely wonderful, isn't it? The Vicar Gardens, wonderful example around here uh, where the team there, uh, they do what they can for the community. Uh, they're very generous uh, in what they try to supply, uh, trying all kinds of ways with their little courses and invitations for people around the polytunnels. Uh, they've got the Order and collect service uh, on at the moment, and uh, they do supply vegetables uh, to local distributors at very fair prices. That pass on to us in very fair prices. So yes, I I really adore the work of the Notvicker Garden and uh, how they're uh, working this. There's someone else I should uh, mention on that. But uh, they deal with plants, and they do with produce, and the local eggs as well. Most of the sea potatoes, most of the potatoes I grow, uh, are from leftovers from last year. Uh, so they become accustomed to the land. That's a sensible thing to do because in food sovereignty, that's part of it, is trying to allow some of what you grow to actually go to seed, so you can save them and use them. Obviously, if you're growing hybrid species that's not going to work, but uh, if you've got heritage seeds of some form or can get hold of them, uh, in most countries have heritage seed supplies. We've got Seed Savers here, there's the Organic Centre up in Leitrim, and then, um, oh, what is that man that lives uh, north of Sligo, German man, Heinz, isn't it? Uh, You can get them from him, but look that up, talk around, uh, and certainly do your Google searches, If you can get local seeds, and uh, Nogvikar, they do the seed swap, and local people come with their excess seeds. So yeah, part of the food sovereignty is stick to your local seeds as much as possible, because you're going to have a lot more success. The only ones that are dodgy I find is if I get local parsnip seeds. They never seem to work, the parsnips, but everything else is wonderful, and uh, they work. Uh, Any other questions out there? Oh, thank you. I hope that made a bit of sense, uh, my waffle. I'm not going to bother with a poem today because I've been so busy gardening. I haven't been writing poems myself, which is one of the things that uh, would be good in a downtime. But we've got the showery weather coming up for a while, I think, from Wednesday onwards, which is great for all this gardening that's been done so that's why in with himself, there's a bit of a panic to get as much planted and so on ready from nature's water to trickle down and create its magic and then when as it's creating the magic then perhaps i'll be writing a bit more but thank you for watching this sunday session uh the sunday session of food sovereignty or, or food security i hope it made some sense uh, it was just off the top of my head so I hope it made uh, sense to you, so thank you for watching. what have we got next week? Oh, we're going back to the uh romantic stuff. I think it's the fairies is it the fairy stories no it's the uh it's the Beltoner ones isn't it? It's the Belton traditions uh next Sunday. so see you for the next Sunday session. If I haven't got that title right, I'll certainly be posting on Facebook and meetup and all the other event places. so thanks for watching. keep well, keep safe. Keep away from the bug, get your hands in the soil. Thank you for spending a bit of time uh, watching this. I'll see you next Sunday, bye.